Welcome to Editing Aloud, and it's been a dramatic week for audit firm KPMG with our sister newspaper, The Times, reporting darkness descends on KPMG after an investigation of its own resulted in eight senior people resigning or stepping down from their posts at the weekend and clients starting to vote with their feet and SARS, the revenue service, weighing in to twist the knife. Ron, what is the story behind this and how bad is it for KPMG? Uh, this could be a collapse of one of the big four, right? Because if, if you look at it, I mean, their biggest clients are the, the banking guys. I guess if one of them pulls out, they of the top five banks, and four of them, they are they join auditors there. If one of them decides to, to uh, end the relationship and, and they follow suit, it actually is potential collapse of an auditing firm. And these are firms built on the whole business cases about trust, integrity, and so on. So if they start questioning it, uh, then basically, it, I, mean, I was, was uh, listening to someone this morning on the radio talking about even the lotto. Can we trust the lotto? Because KPMG is uh, the auditor there, right? So it, it all kick, kick, kicks into fundamentally the trust towards the institution. And, and it's funny enough, KPMG South is the same one that bought Arthur Anderson when they, when they collapsed in the, after Enron. So quite a story. So I can imagine the people inside that building who are from Arthur Anderson days now looking at uh, 10 years odd, 20, um, 15 years later, looking at pro uh, probably perhaps a collapse of KPMG. I still think it's on the cars within the next maybe a month, two months uh, on. And what are the consequences, say, yeah. for the banking sector if, if, if the firm um, were to collapse? I mean, speaking, to the, speaking to one of the big banks, uh, I think uh, Investec and so on, they need two, two big uh, auditing firms on their books all the, at all the time. So if, we, if KPMG falls apart, that means they have a choice between only three, right? So the price, uh, or, or so there will be, be that knock-on effect in terms of the banking sector uh, with regards to the cost of uh, having just three big auditing firms. But... In my book, I, I don't know if there's any saving of KPMG for, especially now with SARS came out. So it's so entwined in our South Africa, in the ugly politics of South Africa right now. How, do, how does KPMG get out, of, get its face out of the, the muck, which is our politics at the moment? Sikonati, you looked at, you would have looked at the KPMG report, which they put out over the weekend, which this KPMG International uh, probing the local firm and finding it wanting in terms of quality control judgment uh, altogether. Um, what has enough? action been taken and what should the international firm and the local firm be doing more than they should already have, have, have been done? Not enough has been done, absolutely. Uh, the, the fact that those guys resigned does not even begin to address the matter. It's a good start, but they need to go back and say, what exactly did we do wrong? And admit to that and start the cleanup there. Strike everybody off the role of, of auditors and, and uh, South African Institute of Chartered Accountants. And, and everyone must meet uh, the, 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 the correct punishment. They've abused the trust and integrity uh, of the profession that Ron spoke about, the trust of the, uh, of, of the nation. Whole economies rely on auditors because, exactly like Ron has just pointed out, uh, auditors, uh, uh, banks rely on auditors, and therefore all economies uh, rely on the on the uh, on the auditing profession. And these guys need one to lay criminal charges against anyone inside KPMG. No, just just letting them off go uh, is not enough. They need to lay criminal charges against their own colleagues and see who did what admit to what they have done, rather than a vague statement just nearly apologizes but doesn't. Tim, has enough been done? You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, can, I can see that there is a um, 
you know, a potential collapse scenario that's uh, not for the international firm, but for the you know local franchise. The um, um, but you know, I do think they've really given it a solid thump. I mean, I I, I don't think they it's. Um, you know, it's it's not satisfying to me as a journalist. You know, the uh, sitting outside of the organisation, but you know, it's difficult to know what he, what more they could have done. There are things that more that they could have done. So what they've done is that they have withdrawn the uh, crucial report that they did, which they you know into into SARS uh, and and specifically denied that that, that uh, you know uh, retracted their conclusion that Pravin Gordon knew about the you know the. Uh, the um, rogue units and all of those sorts of things, uh, but then uh, you know, on the other hand, they were, you know they were the Gupta's uh, accountants for uh, what was 15 it, fifteen years? years. 15 you years. know, the uh, it's in fifteen years you should know your client a bit better. I mean, I do, I do feel a bit for you know the thousands of other people within uh, KPMG who've been doing you know very respectable auditing work for years and years and years. You know, y y the. Uh, um, and and I, I do think, you know, as a general rule, there is a fantastic mismatch, you know, a morality mismatch between what's happened in government and what's happened in the private sector. I just don't think that you can miss the two. You know, the private sector organizations are dropping like flies. People, senior people are, you know, being scorped and going into kind of retirement. Uh, in government, nothing. Nothing. Not one person. Not one person has been charged. Not one person has been questioned. No one has been asked what happened to the, you know, to the billion dollars, uh, billion that they, you know, that they uh, sort of siphoned out of uh, out of Transnet and so on. So, you know, I mean, it's true that you know we. It's good that they they are cleaning house. I, I'd like to see government cleaning house too. Thank you very much. And one, uh, yes, Sikha, do you think that enough house has been cleaned? No, it's not. Mm. If, if KPMG must pay uh, with uh, the collapse of, P of KPMG in South Africa would be a fitting end to this, to, to this kind of behavior. They have been helping, let's take the Gupta family for 15 years. Uh, how more, how, how crude could you be? Uh, mm. You still in uh, 30 or, or four, 500 million rands that goes to a place in the free state that is almost a desert, there's absolutely nothing there, 90% unemployment rate, and you, you, you chuck off the money to Dubai, and you fly over as a KPMG executive to Dubai to advise these guys how to open accounts, how to avoid tax in South Africa, how to evade everything, and then how to bring back the money to pay for your, for your wedding. Yes. And, and that's just the start. Uh, I, I repeat, criminal charges, in addition to those people being fired, need to be laid, uh, and, and KPMG needs to, 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 to audit itself properly, investigate, hire an independent investigator and publish the, the, the whole report and say, this is what we've done wrong, that will have been cleaning up, but we do need to see someone in orange overalls. Now, that is the price you have to pay for being in the market and for uh, unfortunately we cannot choose uh, uh, the prosecutor uh, to prosecute the people that kpmg helped what's to helpful here with, the, pr with the private sector yeah. here is that Come in here, all, all, all these companies are internationally linked so all the the, the, the the private sector companies that have owned up and done something are not south african based domicile companies you think it's uh, kpmg the reason why they reacted is is because of head office i mean of, of the, the headquarters mm -hmm. hq same with bell passengers same with mckenzie there will be some reaction i'm, I'm sure in the next couple of weeks or, or months about mckenzie will have, to have some sort of reaction because they've been in the financial times and so on so the names are being dragged in the mud internationally and that's been a, uh, our 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 the only only way we could ever charge the Guptas in my book is because of international. If someone internationally is affected by the Gupta largesse in this country, so, so in terms of 
here politically only after December. It's almost a perfect uh, place for someone to come in here, the, the new ANC guy, and clean house. And that's the only time we'll see someone pay the cost for all this corruption. I don't think beyond December, if December ends up uh, with a bad candidate, we'll never see anything. But Ron, sticking with KPMG this. for mm. a minute, do you think that the inter KPMG International mm. has been visible enough? Because they seem pretty absent to me. Yeah. And have they done enough? I mean, do we have a path forward out of this mess no, from the company. They weren't visible until FT started focusing on, focusing on KPMG internationally. And it, fine enough, even internationally, they've been in the, in the UK, and so I was looking, in, looking at some research there, they've been getting some fines for, for some dodgy behavior as well in the, in the UK and in the US. But so KPMG as a global institution, there's been question marks around it. But as soon as they got the heat internationally, that's when suddenly came out and did something with regards to this thing that they were hoping, I'm pretty sure they're hoping would, would blow away over time. Actually, Tim, the Financial Times columnist John Gapper is talking this week about KPMG and McKinsey. Um, tell us a bit about that column. Well, yes, I mean, it's a, it was interesting because, you know, it's funny how these things creep up on these organizations mm. and then, you, you, you know, the, the, uh, they, and they claim, it's fine, nothing's going to happen, it's yeah. fine, we're not going to do anything, it's fine, we, we're completely legal, it's fine, bang. God, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. mm. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I cannot believe that, that uh, you know, a, uh, a company like McKinsey that has, you know, that prides itself on having the smartest, fastest, the cleverest people in the room by a, you know, a country world. mile, <laughs> uh, <laughs> couldn't can't see that their <laughs> South African operation right. has been charging, you know, has been massively, massively overcharging ESCOM, mm. uh, um, mm. uh, you know, for, for an absolutely, totally transparent reason. And the transparent reason is because they were told to by Transnet. You only get our account if you give a trillion the, you know, the black empowerment portion of the account. Mm. And they said, well, okay, well then this is going to cost you zillions. And, uh, or in fact, trillions, as it turns out. <laughs> Honestly, this is not, not, not making this up. You know, so now, uh, so up to now, uh, McKinsey has tried to, try to stonewall. You know, they tried to say, uh, we did nothing illegal. We're doing good work there, down there in South Africa. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's just not going to stick. And, yeah. and, it, and, you know, they are, they are, uh, uh, they have, the problem is that they have, they have too many brand, international brand issues. Uh, that they have to deal with, and they have too many international links, and they they are there are the the when the when the international world starts uh, like like you know uh, um, the sort of commentariat if you mm. call it that starts turning against you, then you start losing accounts, mm. and then as soon as you start losing accounts all over the world, then all of a sudden the South African operation becomes completely dispensable. Yeah. Uh, so you know, John Gapper was just making the point that uh, you know that that uh, we, we now have a kind of narrative uh, which is you know traversed over a whole bunch of organisations, and he said he was sort of I intrigued to see how. You know, uh, McKinsey were going to try and uh, try and deal with it, mm. um, and and he noted, uh, you know, the completely obvious, which is what they've done so far is not enough. Speaking of organisations under pressure, Sikonati, tell me about the Public Investment Corporation and the efforts to oust the CEO Dan Machila. What is that about? Let, let's let's start by this disclosure. I hold absolutely no water for Daniel Machila, and I am not protesting to his innocence on anything. But Malusi Kigaba, anything he touches has collapsed under the weight of, corru of corruption. Go all the way back. Mm. Uh, and the same, I the matter's apparent is the same. He becomes a minister, he replaces uh, key members of the board. 
audit committee chief investment uh, 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 officer or, or chief financial officer and the, the 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 board tender committee and the so that that's what he does investment and finance committee on the board you it's the same script transnet denel uh, escom when he was dp at dpe now all of those are bankrupt they are look except for transnet they are looking for cash there's only one place that still has cash it's the one that he's at now and that's the pic Again, same thing. He came in, appointed a uh, deputy chairman, Colonel uh, Kwanazi, and two weeks later, uh, Daniel Machila is in trouble. He's being accused of X, Y, Z. And I, I repeat again, I do not know if Daniel Machila did or did not do what he's being accused of. What we have now is the PIC with 1.9 trillion rand that uh, that can bail out Telcom with uh, SAA via Telcom without thinking. It can bail. It can just sign a check for for ESCOM fifty billion rand, Daniel three billion rand. That's what is wanted. Daniel Machila has been accused of uh, of, uh, of of nepotism and and uh, dishing out cash to his alleged girlfriend uh, of twenty. Uh, they, they said twenty one million rand. It turns out the money that was actually aw awarded to that uh, company is five million rand. And the board met on Friday last week, and they. Uh, wanted to deal with him and they didn't even give him a chance to respond uh, to the allegations and they just uh, resolved we will this is a whistleblowing exercise and therefore we'll treat it like that which means we'll suspend this person and start investigating when he came in to be to be told about the decision he correctly protested that but you guys have not even asked me what's going on here then he proceeded and presented uh, the record of decision everything that's been made and then the board was like oh so we got it wrong and they said, okay, uh, we, we believe you. Uh, it's fine, carry on. We have full confidence in your integrity. But We're going to come back to this one night. after the break. Yes, it needs some discussion. Yeah. Welcome back to Editing Aloud, and we are in the middle of a hot discussion about the Public Investment Corporation. Ron, this is... Pension is money yeah, it is. Um, that everyone's playing around yes. with. I mean, are, is this not, should we not all be very concerned about very what's concerned. going on there? I think politicians are, you know, how simple-minded they are. They think, like, the PIC is sitting with 1.9 trillion rand, and it's, it's liquid, it's there, it's money to throw around. But this, this is money, it's like maybe 3% is given to money market, whatever. So there's a mandate to how this money is. So whatever... If you're taking out money, ten billion odd for SAA, they've got to have to sell something, like so, draw down and have to balance it out. So I think what they're doing now is like I think they understand that. So by removing Dan Machila and then going into the audit committee and getting into all these all into the investment communities, it's when the systems in place in PIC which work very well with regards to. I mean, SAA comes for a loan. PIC has to go through a thorough process before they give out anything, right? So what they're doing is just shortcutting all this and putting their own people in there. So this money, so there'll, there'll be a sell down of telecom, whatever the case may be, to fund uh, SAA. But it's very worrying when this is basically they're hijacking the, the, the entire PIC, the whole process, this the whole the governance. This is the pension funds yes, of civil service. Exactly. This is the whole governance of the PIC, which they are basically coming and say, okay, fine. The problem is we have to hijack this entire system. But I'm sure even if Dan was playing politics and he was fine, I'll, I'll fund SAA, and the CEO is in on it. The point is, he has a whole committee that he has to convince to actually go ahead with the funding, which generally doesn't work out, but PIC sits there and says, should we really fund uh, SAA? By all their own mandates, by all their own targets, they shouldn't touch SAA. And by PIC's own rules, they would not touch SAA. So this is where the government is siding with under Malusi. The only way we're going to fix P 
PISA and make Dudu happy and in turn the president is literally going within the governance structures of the PIC and breaking them all. It isn't just a, an attack on Dan. Dan is the first suspension of him, bringing in the other, other board members, looking at the audit committee, looking at, at the entire investment community. Uh, the co committees within PIC, and that's where you'll see the rot, and suddenly some crazy decisions will happen, regardless of what the government employs, uh, the GEPF, right? Mm. So this is exactly what you can see unfolding, and it's Malusi just having his way. You can see this is what's, in, what's stopping you from funding SA, and whatever case, whatever S is ESCOM next, is the same for me. So this is pretty scary in my book. Tim, what happens if, if the, the pension funds of government employees, because it's, it's 2 million or 1.9 million, um, government employees and government pensioners uh, yes. whose money is at risk here. What happens if that money is compromised? Well, th you know, this is the problem. They, they, you know, the, the you get then into kind of the actuarial estimates of what the, you know, what the pension fund will require as mm. the, you know, the, uh, and and you have to ask this very difficult question about whether or not it's overfunded or underfunded. That's why they have these these absolutely rigorous systems. Mm. That's why this is not, you know, a loaning operation. You know, this is not a, you know, it can't even be really a developmental, you know, organization. It has a developmental sort of mandate, and it has a sort of it does devote a certain amount to you know d a kind of developmental mandate. Uh, but this is not the development bank. Mm. This is uh, you know the, this is the repository of the wealth. Mm. Yeah, this yeah. is the repository, mm. and they are uh, and they they are required leg by legislation, also by the organisation. By the way, it's not so easy with the uh, um, with the PRC to sort of go in there and get them to you know dish out ten billion rand mm. to. Uh, uh, to SAA because you know they haven't like like other fund managers they have an investment criteria mm. and they have clients that they have to uh, you know that they have immediate clients who uh, that they have to answer to just to complete a uh, sicker story because uh, so you know this this meeting happens the 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 statement comes out it's the most curious thing on the planet because the state comes comes out saying that we have total confidence in Dan Machila's uh, you know integrity um, but. We're still going to investigate, <laughs> and um, so basically, my reading of what happened was that the vast majority of the board of the PIC was appointed by uh, Pravin Gordon and by previous uh, um, uh, finance ministers. Uh, the two people who were appointed by uh, Malusi Kagaba, uh, they had an argument. So obviously, the majority won, uh, mm -hmm. but the majority had to. Toss them a little bone. We can't find so anything on him, but we'll, but, keep, but looking we'll keep looking. Until yes, yeah, until we find something. Yeah. And on so the 29th of September, on the 29th of September, they are coming back on a special board meeting to 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 table whatever they have found uh, yes. in that investigation. Oh, in the man, they have already decided they have full confidence in his integrity and ability. But I'll leave you with this one: When Malusi Kikawak became finance uh, public enterprises minister in, in in May 2009, ESCOM which reported to Public Enterprises Minister, had 18.5 billion rand in cash at the end of financial uh, 2009 March. That was enough to run without any liquidity issues. When he left in 2014, ESCOM was begging you and I for cash to pay salaries. The money had been stolen. <laughs> I don't know by whom. I didn't know say it's Marusi. Mm -hmm. The money had been stolen. You and I capitalized ESCOM 83 billion rand 
23 billion rand of that in cash in 2015 after Malusi had touched it. The same story goes for Daniel. SAA is gone. Malusi, when he came in there, it was functioning. Now, Daniel Machila came in in 2003 to, uh, to, to, to the PIC as chief risk officer. It had 377 billion rands in asset. Today, it's got 1.9 trillion rands in assets. Mm -hmm. Choose who to believe. The least said about Sfiso Butel is the, the, the better. Think about Sifuambo at, at Prasa. Uh, they are still trying to recover 4 billion rand. I'm going to move on to the private made. sector because I don't think I can bear any more about the public sector. <laughs> Not that the news from Sassol is actually that good. Um, Tim, Sassol this morning saying that it turns out that their BEE scheme in Zalo has yielded absolutely nothing yes. for the BEE shareholders. I mean, it's, not in it's obviously not a big surprise um, because, you know, when they, when they introduced the scheme, the oil price was, you know, $100 a barrel or there, thereabouts, and now it's half that. Uh, so obviously the, the share price of Sassol is a function of the oil market. So, uh, you know, and the whole scheme was premised on the idea that the Sassol share price would increase sort of more or less at the same rate it had increased the previous five years. Well, well, it didn't. It went down. Um, the oil I mean price isn't going back to $100 in No, precisely. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, so, you know, Sassol was sitting with an enormous problem. So what they've done, and, and also they, just by the way, they also compounded the problem because they borrowed money at a fixed interest rate. Um, to uh, to uh, you know to underpin this uh, the BE deal and um, you know the interest rates went down, <laughs> which uh, but they still had to pay the interest rates the, the fixed interest rates. So uh, all in all, it was a bit of a disaster. So anyway, Sassol are now trying to kind of make good. They've uh, introduced a new scheme. The old scheme members will be able to you know graduate onto the new scheme, even though the old. Uh, members got nothing. Um, it's extremely expensive, about 20 billion rand, I think, if I've got it right. And uh, and Sassel's share price, and it's gonna, so it's going to cost them, and they're going to fund it themselves. Uh, and it's uh, and um, uh, so that's going to affect the um, the uh, profitability of Sassel by about we reckon. A you know, about 5%. So surprise, surprise, the share price went down 5%. I suppose my <laughs> question, Ron, is does, what does this tell us? Is this a reflection generally on the way in which a lot of companies have gone around about funding and structuring BEE deals where they are so dependent mm. on market factors mm. which are out of their control that, in fact, the chances that they transfer real value mm. are quite slim. And therefore, why do they carry on doing them That's this true. way? I mean, it's all, all early BEE deals were funded on the basis of a rising share price, right? And I think within this 10-year within this 10-year period of this Inzalo BEE deal, there was a point where these investors, these black investors were in the money but they couldn't get out, right, because you locked in. So you wait, you wait out and pray for this 10 years. So imagine if, if they were free to get out at that point where they're, they're in the money and like, geez, we can get out here. Maybe we have to rethink, business, hence the issue of once empowered, always empowered. It needs to really be gone back and discussed. So when we do the B, I mean, I was always, uh, okay, I think I'm changing my viewpoint a bit about it. Maybe this is the only way to move forward, right? Once empowered, always empowered, because once you do the deal, I'm the you mean lock them in forever? No, no, don't lock them don't in. Don't lock right? them yeah. in at all. Let, let them, let them let cash the in their shares. Let me buy into your company, right? And as hope as they invest it in something else. When I'm in the money, uh, let, let it be my choice. Let me, let me make the money. Let me get out there, and then, uh, then you we have you to keep your points. Yeah, and you keep your point. We have to really look at that hard because this is the point, right? This is a clear case where ten years later, these guys waited, and they were in the money. There were points where they were in the money when the share, uh, oil price was over hundred dollars and so on, and they were in the money, and they could have really like they cashed out. 
and taking that that that, that, uh, that wild created and I don't know uh, built something else, right? But they had to wait ten years. They were locked in, and they come out ten years is nothing. Now there we have Cecil having to redo it, and they I can find depressingly, it's another ten year lock in period, and only on the South African businesses, which. There hasn't been much capex invested really here compared to what's happened in the in the US and so on. So you're locking in black investors in this area. In the non-growing non yeah, part of the business. To make yeah, sure, yeah. and we to guarantee them at least 10% at the end of the senior period. It's a, uh, all this points to me that we have to really sit down and make a hard decision uh, in, t in terms of transformation in this country, whether this once empowered or always empowered thing uh, is the only way to and go even forward. whether these equity, the money, these right? very structured equity mm. deals are, are in fact I including more black people than we had before. Yeah. Whether we shouldn't have a more thorough rethink, Sekunati. I mean, I do you think this could prompt such a thing? Ilori, the major, the major thing here is that for for anyone to buy business, a business, a stake in a business, you have to have the money first. If you don't have the money as we don't have the money as black people to buy uh, these stakes, so you have to borrow the money from, from, from someone. The bankers and the lawyers have made their money out of this. The people that benefit, the people that put in their money 10 years ago did not receive a dividend, mm. got no capital growth, and, and we'll, we'll get nothing. Now the money is being taken from Sasol's investors uh, to, to, to compensate for the loss of 10 years. Uh, how, how do we start uh, transforming the economy? You cannot transform any economy by just selling a stake in, in, in a business team has been running forever and, and you, you, you cut run in uh, by 5%. What we need to do is exactly what the National Party did back then, empower the whole nation. Yes, it empowered then uh, the, the Afrikaner nation. Uh, that's kind of empowerment, skills, people getting there doing the real job, running the companies and growing from the bottom. If, if you just hope you will impose people at the top uh, by giving them uh, 10 shares in that business and even that holding thumbs that things will work, it's never going but to they work. Were, but they were champions, Afrikaans champions, right? They always were. So as much as you're exactly. saying empower everyone, you can't be just everyone like uh, uh, growing as much. They were Afrikaans champions. At the they biggest were. equalizer. The biggest equalizer is education, the skills. Let people do the job. If you make me uh, the chief executive of ESCOM next week, I will run the thing down. If you give me 25% uh, stake in ESCOM uh, tomorrow, I don't have the money to pay for it. But if you give me a proper engineering Hold skill, on, and, 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 and uh, we start from the bottom, we move from there. We start our businesses, uh, procurement, the government, buys and does not kill businesses by, by refusing to pay them on time. That's where you s that, that's the real empowerment where it starts. Small businesses being able to do business and that's how black people get to you need to, to make the money to buy the shares. You need champions. Sasol. You need champions of, of empowerment. Uh, like okay maybe the pool we chose initially three was it it's, uh, Tokyo, Patrice and the third one. And even Cyril, Cyril, and Cyril right? <laughs> we chose a few. But uh, so it needs to broaden their pool. However when you broaden this pool I think these guys almost Maybe they forget wha why they got the stakes in the first place. And when they when they build these empires, empires, what are you actually fundamentally supposed to be doing when you build it? Uh, and accept that, like Patrice Mutepe is made by empowerment, and accept that. And, and in in doing so, you must know that you have to like, contribute to the transformation of the economy. Maybe th I agree. The pool Get was more people in there to do yeah, the real so job to work. So you need champions. The whole idea of everyone must hope broad. I think the problem with empowerment initially was we decided, okay, we have three people is bad. Let's broaden this thing to huge a community trust of uh, a million black people and give them a, sh a stake in a company which they have literally they don't do anything so they just sit there and wait 10 years and do nothing they can't 
do anything to change the mechanism, the workings of cell phones. That's the problem. So the whole broadening thing is like, okay, well, what's this, right? So uh, it's, I don't that's know, all it's we have uh, time for this sorry. week. Join us again next week as we uh, change the world and hopefully make an attempt to change South Africa too. <laughs>